Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David and I will be counting down six ways to sell more books as our main talking point. So that is a discussion for everybody at any level of publishing experience to listen to. We'll also be diving into our mailbag take a question on the data behind Amazon ads. And that's all before Mike Norris joins us for the last segment of the show, face our seven questions. But David, we shall start the show as we always do by discussing the week that was to give our listeners a little lowdown on what goes on behind the scenes in our author businesses. So uh, how have the last seven days been for you, David? You launched a book, didn't you? Yes, yes, I had the launch of whatever happened to Sophie Lusso. Um mm-hmm. It did, what would I say? Yeah, it did reasonably well. It sold 1,100 copies, I think, in, in the first seven days. I checked last night, um, which sounds okay. It's a nice, chunky bit of profit. Mm. Um, but it's not, I mean, I'm used to, I'm more used to heavily investing in a launch mm. and, and seeing bigger numbers come back. But because with this series, I'm not really investing thousands of pounds into advertising and marketing a book. I'm, I'm just allowing the read through um, yeah. to come true. I, I was a little bit disappointed until I realized, oh, no, but every penny of this goes into my pocket. It's all mm-hmm. profit. So which is what you will have experienced over the past couple of years is that everything from book two to 12 now with you, Rob, that's every time they sell, that's all profit. Yeah. So yeah, I made about two and a half grand, which is n- not not my biggest in first opening week. But I would probably normally make about five or six grand in an opening week. But I will have probably spent about four grand, really three or four grand, really yeah. pushing it. So it's just a psychology of going. Well, that's all into my pocket. Um, that I mm-hmm. kind of have to get used to. And I mean, it's stupid of me to only realize that after a week because this was the whole idea of writing in series was that I just concentrate on book one and allowing the read through, sort of taking um, t- taking uh, advice from you, which is how you've really mastered your career over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think we, we spoke about it before where like we talk about our sales throughout the year. I think we did it when we, when mm-hmm. we, we counted last year or something like that. We spoke in depth about sales, and you always discuss how yours is like oh, it's like peaks and troughs. Like your yeah EP sales income page would look like like the Alps because yes. you have these massive spikes when you launch a book, but because it's like a standalone, it will then yeah, dip dip down afterwards until the next like book a, comes out. Until the next book comes out, whereas mine is just like a steady thing. So whenever I launch a new book it will always go to like the top of its categories but my first book is always like in and around the top five and then eventually that new book will drop down and fall into the top 100 of that category at any random point on any random day yeah but the first book will just constantly stay in an Mm -hmm. usually in the top 10 of that category because that's the one i market to but then like you're saying everything the other books are doing 
it's just profit because I'm not marketing to them. Yeah. So yes. it's, 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 it, for someone, like you said, I've never had a launch that's been like anything more than like, it's covered the cost of creating the book. You know, my best ever pre-order was probably up near and around a thousand books, but never like beyond that. And you've had like yeah. thousands of pre-orders on books before. So you're obviously used to those massive, uh, oh, book launch, I'm going to get all this thing. Whereas yeah. to me, I'm like, oh, book launch. It's like I'm going to get a pay rise across the year, not like a bonus on one day, if that makes sense. And yes. that's where you'll you'll find that with, with this Lenny Moon series. Yeah, yeah. It's just a psychology I have to get used to of um, mm. uh, just how, how it's working. But yeah, the fact that I'm not pumping thousands into it um you know it means it's 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 not as bad as i i might have thought it was on monday going oh i'm not telling i'm not doing as great as i used to do um but i'm also not spending thousands of pounds launching it so yeah it's just a psychology that i have to get used to it's i am going to take the next year and a half to complete this series and really just as you do pumping all of the marketing um at book one and then and then the read through is all money in my pocket um so yeah it started it's a bit of an odd week and then you know we're still in the summer holidays here so lola is at home she's seven years of age she needs constant distraction so uh while i was gunning on on my next book i think i'm now six chapters in i was four when i was talking to you last week so that's only two done this week because it's been a bit of a stop start week um i'm normally just watching youtube channels with lola (laughs) and shit like that it hasn't been um, a very productive week um but I believe, now I've heard on the grapevine, my week has still been more productive than yours, which is very unusual because you have had one hell of a past seven days. Let's tell our listeners about that. So it started off really well. My office, so if anyone's watching the little snippet video we put on um, Facebook and Instagram to, to advertise the episode, you'll notice my background is different um so my office was finished i've moved into my office i'm incredibly excited about it i've been told off already by my readers because i've got a dartboard so i've told them they gotta wait two years for the next book but um <laughs> i i went on a stag do on saturday really nice ah. i had a really nice time actually it was a bit heavy one of the days um and i went to marbella uh really nice really nice. sunny i ended up in a, really? like, a pool party on one one of the days um, walking around my Hawaiian shirt, you know, sunglasses on, beer in hand. <laughs> oh, and then, I think it's a, I put a photo of myself on my Instagram. There's a picture of me in like a Hawaiian shirt with a beer and the aviator glasses on. Like completely, it's just not my scene. <laughs> but, you know, I, I lent into it. And then, and then I, I didn't have a mad night on the Sunday because I had an earlier flight back on Monday. Um, just because the usual flight was like everyone else's flight was at like 10 p.m i didn't want to get home at midnight got to the airport checked in had a lovely lunch sitting in the gate half an hour uh, till my flight leaves and it got cancelled because the uk air um the entire air traffic thing went down didn't it i think yes it did yeah causing chaos yeah, so 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 for any of our international listeners who aren't aware of this, on Monday basically all of the UK airspace went down. So any flights that had left still got to go because they had to land them. My flight got cancelled, and basically all we were told by by EasyJet and the other com- people at the airport was good fucking luck. And I was like, well, oh, <laughs> I'm supposed to be getting home. Like I've 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 got a kid. I've got all this. So. Um, 
I'd obviously safe in hysterics on the phone because I've like I've I've got no flight. There's no replacement flight, and all the other flights are booked. Um, no flights can land. Blah blah blah. So then I go on like the, the app, and it says, "Oh, we can give you a replacement flight on Wednesday evening." And I'm like, "What, what am I supposed to do for two more days? Like oh, I've got a rucksack." No. And like, thankfully, you know, I'm in a position where I can pay for a hotel or whatever, but. You know, no one at EasyJet was offering us coupons or anything like that. So I went online. I found a flight. I found a flight that would take me from uh, Malaga to uh, Basel in Basel in Switzerland, Switzerland. And then a flight from Switzerland back to the UK like at midnight. Because I think by like 3 p.m. it said they'd fixed the problem. So I sat down, booked that. So I was like, okay, um, that flight at 8 o'clock. I booked that at about half three and then it said we're confirming your booking this takes 20 minutes an hour later nothing confirmed another oh, hour wow. i'm just sitting there at the airport not knowing if i'm getting on this flight i've got sofa at home going are you are you getting home today and then while all this is going on the replacement flights from easyjet are um now available from thursday because all the wednesday ones have been booked up oh, so i'm God. like and then 20 minutes before the gate opens for that Basel flight, I get an email from this company saying, we couldn't confirm your seats. Here's your refund. I was like, okay, so oh, I've just spent two oh. and a half hours not figuring this out because I thought I had it done. I booked another one that fell through. So then by about half nine in the after in the evening, bear in mind, I got to the airport at 11 a.m. I'm still at the airport, like huddled around the PowerPoint to charge my phone. I've got Soph and Olivia asking me how i'm doing so i'm feeling like shit i just booked myself into a hotel nearby and when i got there Sophie and i were on like speakerphone trying to find out what to do this is why i ended up booking right i'm sorry this i'm going on a rant here i ended up booking <laughs> a flight at 6 15 in the morning from malaga to barcelona in the afternoon of that on on the tuesday i was get a flight from barcelona to brussels and then on Wednesday morning, I had a Eurostar ticket from Brussels to London. Wow. Because like flights from Malaga to Paris, all gone for like two days. Um, any Eurostar from Paris, all gone for like the next week because everyone's booking right. it. Everyone's trying to get home because although the flights are now running, they're all fully booked. So I had like an hour's sleep and then I went back to the airport at 4 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Ouch. And there was a flight to Gatwick at 10 past six that morning that was checking in. So I went and spoke to the manager of Euro EasyJet there. And I was like, can I get on this flight? Is there any way? You know, it's it's empty here. But he's like, everyone is checked in. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. He's like, well, actually, no. He's like, there's four people who haven't checked in yet. But there's still an hour till the gate closes. Come back when the gate closes. If they haven't checked in, you can have their seat. I went back. Oh, great. Everyone had checked in. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I guess I'm going to Barcelona then. And then he was like, but EasyJet have lined up a replacement flight at nine o'clock purely for people whose flights have been cancelled. And oh. he was like, I didn't get the notification on the app, though, but he booked me on that. So I managed to get home. It was still only 24 hours less, later than I would have done originally. But it was a, I tell you what, that 24 hours felt like 24 weeks. It was one of the longest, Ouch. most stressful days of my life. So, yeah, I haven't been as productive this week, but I did make it home, David, so we can do the podcast. 
<laughs> well, there you go. That's the week that was. Right, Rob. So today our main talking point is how to sell more books, which I guess in essence is uh, why our listeners tune into our ramblings every week. We, uh-huh. um, we all love to write. We have a lot of authors who are particularly interested in the craft and improving their craft. Um, but at the end of the day, what, what, what we're really trying to do is uh, publish books and have as many people read them as possible. So we're just going to go through um, three tips each, a total of six. I think that's three times two is six. Yeah. It's my yeah, Irish uh, education. We're good at this. <laughs> we're, not, we're not great at maths. We, did, we, were, we majored in literature, didn't we, in, in school. That's oh, I was, was a data, we was a data analyst. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three twos is six. Right. So we have six ways of mm-hmm. how you can sell more books. So it seems quite straightforward. And some of these points may seem straightforward, but they are all points that we should be adhering to or at least testing in some way. So Rob's got three and I've got three. Um, and they are simple ways that you can sell more books. Now, tip number one might go without saying, but we're just going to talk about it, Rob. So so what, what is tip number one of how our listeners can sell more of their books? Um, before I give to number one, I, I think your introduction was spot on. I think it's spot on. And I think it always comes back to the, the thing I always say is, sometimes you have to disconnect that creative side where people get like precious about their work and then realize what you have is, is you've got content that you're and products that you're trying to sell to people. Yeah. So that's what this is. This is six ways to do that. And like you said, these are, some of these are probably glaringly obvious, but I think these are six tips that you and I both completely live by. And yeah, we've already discussed slightly today you and I sell a fair bit of books. Like we, we, we sell a good number of books. We do this for a living. So while these might seem obvious, if you're not doing these, maybe you should start doing them. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really should. Or at um, least at least thinking about them because I don't use all six and I'm not sure you use all six, but at least we're aware of them and we've tried and tested at least mm. um, each of them to to some degree of success or not in some cases yeah. but yeah th- these are six ways you should be aware of and you should be at least testing yes absolutely like i said some of them some of them maybe don't have as much um attention as others but they're still things either we've tested or things that we do just not on the same scale but they're all part of the arsenal say that we have to sell books and we'll go in with number one which i'd say is the biggest one for both of us um which is seems obvious is paid ads right so um i like the fact i want to give a quick shout out actually to our facebook group david um because i think definitely over the last few weeks as the community is growing and it's growing and growing because everyone wants us to get to 500 um, members because they all want to see my singing video i get that um but what (laughs) i'm seeing in the facebook group is a lot of questions that other authors are asking people who are on different stages of their indie author career and then you know we answer as much as we can you know we're, we've got full-time jobs we've got kids we can't always just be online but the best thing is is seeing other members of the community giving their experiences or offering advice and i've seen quite a few recently around when should i start um advertising on facebook and things like that that is you know, for me, I would I would always say like with paid ads, 
is you need to be in a position where at least what you're spending the money on, you're going to you're gonna make that back. So I, I, I personally wouldn't like spend loads of money on paid ads if I only had one book because I'm not yeah. going to get the read through, which is, you know, become the backbone of my business. But I think yeah. like you did to, you kind of alluded to, not adhered to, alluded to at the beginning of this podcast is, you know, these are things you need to either be aware of or test out or it depends where you are on your journey. You know, we can't, we can't tell you that, you know, tell you when to, when to do this. I'd well, I should, ads. go on. I, sorry, Rob, I'm, I talked over you there. Um, there's a slight, slight delay, but I would say this in terms of this tip that you're giving. No author, independent author, is successful or is selling books without mm. paid advertising. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you have to be speculating to accumulate here in terms of um, getting as many of your books sold as possible. You have to um, have capital to spend on marketing in order to, to um, generate those thousands of sales that are going to bring in profit for you. Yeah, and and... And I know it's it's almost like a chicken and the egg situation that people will talk about, which is, well, I can't, I don't have an advertising budget because I'm not selling books. Uh, I'm not selling books because I'm not marketing them. And this is where, you know, and 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 we've gone into it before. When I went into being a full time author, I didn't just jump in straight away with one book and just threw money at it. I I was willing to to invest money out of my own pocket to get my business running because any business you would need, like David said, you would need capital to get it running. And I don't even think it's just independent authors, David. I'd say traditionally published authors, yeah. they're not going anywhere without their publishers pumping money behind their marketing. But the thing is, those those authors, they get less in return than the independent authors do because the publishers want to make their money back as well. So when it comes to paid ads... Um, you know, we, we've covered the main areas of them, you know, Facebook ads, Amazon ads, BookBub, you know, those ads. We've yeah. done whole episodes on those. So I'm not going to go into the intricacies of them. What we're talking about here is if you're not using paid ads, whether that's Facebook or Amazon, I'd say those are the two main ones. They're the two and major any, ones, yeah. Re- yeah, and any really successful um, independent author has got those locked down and then yeah. they only get to that point either because they've got support or they've they've just learned and they've taught themselves and like david always says they've test test tested you know they've done all this stuff but if you're not doing paid ads i would implore you to start investigating how you do it because if i didn't have my facebook ads i wouldn't have a business right now yeah it's true. I mean, it's number one on our list for a reason. If you look at the top guys um, in our game, so your Mark Dawson's or your Louise Ross's, uh, Joanna Penn's, these have these are all over Facebook and Amazon. Their books are everywhere. They are getting the exposure to, I mean, hundreds of thousands of potential readers and as a result are selling thousands of books. So you cannot really... There are ways of selling a few books or maybe a few hundred books without ever spending a penny. But if you're not spending on marketing, and particularly on those two in those two platforms that Rob spoke about there, Facebook and Amazon, um, you're really not exposing your books anywhere. You cannot just write a book, publish it, and expect it to sell. 
you will have to invest in yourself. So tip number one of how to sell more books sounds obvious, but you have to invest in, in advertising. Now that brings us on to number two. And number two, you don't have to spend the penny, Rob. Oh, okay. You do have to spend time at it though. So number two of how to sell more books is finessing your newsletter. So mm. this is, okay, now people will roll their eyes at this and go, oh, but I've only got 28 people signed up to my newsletter. Okay, 28 is a start. Let's see how we can build that. So Rob and I have spoken uh, on the podcast extent, uh, extensively about back matter and front matter and and social media and how you can really sort of hook in fans, you know, set up a landing page which we're, which is a link at the back of your books would say, if you loved this Robert Enright book, um, please sign up here to hear more information yeah. about how Rob writes his book. So whatever way you want it, whatever content you want to write there, there's a link. They type in their email address. Now they're part of your uh, newsletter group. So if you're consistent with a newsletter and have a consistent voice um, and you're in touch with your reader base often, well, then, like me, I just released a book last week. I sent out my newsletter, and I knew that that would sell hundreds, if not thousands, just from that uh-huh. newsletter. So, yes, you might be rolling your eyes thinking, I've only got 28 uh, on my newsletter. Sign up. Okay, start building it now. So go back over your books, whatever you've written. Get that back matter um, as sharp as you possibly can get it and get more people to sign up, more people to invest in you. Now, so anytime I'm selling a book, as I said, a newsletter is one of my biggest uh, support systems to, to sell as many books as possible. So a newsletter costs you nothing but a bit of time. It costs me about an hour a month is all a newsletter costs yeah. me, Rob. Um, although I do, I mean, I, I, I pay a subscription to MailerLite. I think, I mean, it's not much. I think it might be 50 pounds a year or something, but um, so, but it's basically free. Well, it's free. It's free when you are under a thousand subscribers. So if you're at a point where you've got a thousand subscribers and if you've paid attention to things we've said and for all the other information that's out there is you want engaged subscribers. You don't just want people who are there, you know, and not, you know, you should be trimming the fat off your mailing list all the time. People who haven't um, engaged with an email in the last six months, send them a thing saying, if you want to stay, click this link. If not, off you go. But if you get to a point where you've got like a thousand tuned in, dialed in subscribers who want to hear from you, when you sell, when you launch a new book, you might, not all of them might buy it, but you know, if most of them are engaged, most of them probably are there because they like your books. Yeah. That's more than covers the cost. Like I think it's like $10 a month for a thousand to 2,500 subscribers or something like that. So, but in, in the, in the, in the meantime, when you're building it up, like they say, if you've got 28 subscribers, that's completely free. It's just your time to build up the automation, um, for when someone signs up, you know, you can also do things like, right. I did it, um, with the Sam Pope series. I wrote a prequel novella as a reader magnet, which I give to people for free if they sign up. And I then wrote another one a few years later. So now they get two books if they sign up. So my whole gambit is you read the first book, which I market people to through paid ads. They then read that book. They go, oh, I enjoyed that. And then the first thing they're presented with from me is, hey, if you like that book, here's two prequels, which relate to things that are referenced in the first book. Sign up here and get these two books for free. And then usually by that point, I've got them hooked in. 
for the next 12 yeah. books. Do you know what I mean? So well, They're invested in you. And next time yeah. when book three comes out, here you go. Book four comes out, here you go. Here's a newsletter or here's an email suggesting it. Yeah. So, yeah, paid ads, uh, mm-hmm. which costs. Newsletter, which doesn't really cost. Um, and it really is about finessing that newsletter and sharpening it up. And it will I promise you that will help you if you are massaging your fan base. It's a real, really big um, way to, to sell more books. Uh, and just to echo on that, be consistent. Um, David, you're really yeah. good for this. I'm shit at it, mm-hmm. um, but I've been trying to improve yeah. it over the last year. You know, if, if, if you're sending out a monthly newsletter on the first of every month, make sure that newsletter is written a couple of days before the first of the month and it's scheduled yeah. in to go because it's the same with anything. It's the same with episodic. You know, you guys listening to this podcast now expect this podcast Monday mornings at 8 a.m. in the UK. I don't yeah. know what time that is in the US, but that's because we committed to doing that. So, yeah. And then that's how people become familiar and, do that. and that's how people engage. So if you're doing a monthly newsletter with a good format, like David is the template for it. Check out his Facebook. I think you share on your Facebook page kind of what content goes in there, how it looks. It looks yeah. like shit hot, but you are really consistent in making sure on the first of every month yeah. that email that drops in your subscribers thing. They know what they're getting each month. They're going to get an update on this, this, and this. Because you don't just want your newsletter to be, hey, I've got a book, buy it. You want your newsletter yeah. to be, this is what's going on with me as an consistent. author. This is what I'm thinking about, blah, blah, blah. So be consistent yeah. with that. And, and it will help you sell more books, but that's not. it's not just an advertising platform, a mailing list. I think that's worth exactly. putting in there. Absolutely. It is indeed. I'll tell, um, tell you what is an advertising platform, David. Yeah. Tip number three which is mm-hmm. discount sites. Yes. So, yeah, so discount that's interesting. sites are ones that we use. I, do you know what? I probably haven't used them as much in the last year, and I don't know why that is. I think maybe just because I, I've, I've had better success with my Facebook ads and stuff like that. But when we yeah. come to discount sites, you've got – the, the, the biggest heavy hitter, which is BookBub. Um, if you don't know about BookBub, go and check it out. It's free to join up. You can get an author profile on there. You can get followers. I've never really engaged with that part, but it's basically like a community, a little bit like um, Goodreads in a way where you can review books and people can follow your reviews and all that. But essentially what it is, is it's a daily newsletter that goes out to subscribers. So you don't have to be an author to be a subscriber. You can just sign up. I love reading crime thriller books and I love reading romance books. You can sign up to say, give me the daily deals on these genres. And then what BookBub does is every day it generates an email with discounted books in those genres and it goes out to the people with whatever they've requested. And it became a hotbed for authors because you can pay quite a big fee to put your book on that email. So when I say it goes out, it goes out to millions. You know, Some of those categories probably have like a million or so people who have subscribed yeah. to that category. And then what you do is you get you can get a BookBub deal. And it usually like for a thriller one, it's like a thousand pounds maybe. So it is expensive. But then what happens is, is you then, you could get a BookBub deal across all the main marketplaces. So the US, yeah. the UK, Canada, whatever. Um, yeah, and then you discount your book, and if you do it with a Kindle um, 
countdown deal where you still get 70% royalty, you could you could end up generating thousands of sales in one day off this email. In one they day. used to be yeah. a golden ticket. I've had some that have been unbelievable. I've had some that have broken even, made me a hundred pounds, 200 pounds. But it's then, you know, if I'm only doing them to the first book and I get thousands of sales on the first book with my read through, yeah. it ends up generating more. So they are in the long run, they're worth it. They're expensive, but there are cheaper discount um yeah there are. and then you can kind of stagger like you could do three across three days and generate more sales than you might usually get maybe less royalties than you'd usually get but you'd get more readers and then you might get more newsletter signups you might get more read through so these are yeah like i said they haven't become an imperative part of my um business plan you know, I still mm-hmm. apply for BookBub deals because, like I said, I kind of like the the kind of hit that they give. But discount sites yeah. can really be used to leverage sales. Um, I think especially exactly. when you're getting started and trying to establish a readership. Yeah. Yeah. it's You might have scared a couple of listeners there with the £1,000 for BookBub. But it, it, it is or has been the golden goose, and they are the biggest by quite a distance mm. of the discount sites. Because as, as Rob said, they've got millions of people signed up to their email um, newsletters. Um, but yeah, it, it discount sites, is, so you're discounting your book, um, preferably your first in series if you're writing in series, um, perhaps to 99p. And you can apply to BookBub, but that can cost you if you land one. Um, you will make your money back, I'm pretty sure, at least on that. But um, there are other sites that, that can cost as little as £25 to get a, a discount on. So try um, sites like Book Adrenaline, Robin Reads, Free Booksy, Fussy Librarian, Bargain Booksy, E-Reader, IQ. These are all discount sites that can cost anywhere from £25 to maybe £100 where you can discount your book. Um, be added to their email list where they send it out to their thousands of potential readers and then hopefully um, as high a percentage as possible of those thousands will plump to buy your book and there and after thereafter hopefully the read through is what will really rein in your profit so discount sites are a cheaper way of marketing your books or can be a cheaper way of marketing your uh, book and making more sales um how about tip number four, Rob? Oh. Slightly different fare from what we've just discussed over the past uh, 15 minutes or so with regards uh, advertising or newsletter. But um, this is one I think authors don't get right. I would like you to have your books as available as possible in as many formats as possible. So the obvious one is Kindle download, paperback, perhaps even hardback. I'm having a look at that now at the moment for my um, fiction stuff, but it obviously did it did really well hardback for my Alex Ferguson book. That makes sense. It's nonfiction, nonfiction sales and hardback more than in fiction. Um, and also audio, Rob, which um, um, a lot of uh, people haven't really got on top of. And we have gone into detail on that. But having your books uh, available as wide as possible makes sense you will sell more books that way. So if your books are not uploaded onto Ingram Spark, well, I want you to take an hour out of your week next week and get them uploaded to Ingram Spark because Ingram Spark are a wholesaler in a sense that they will print your books and send them out to bookstores when bookstores order them. Now you, of course, can approach bookstores and ask them to stock your book and, and, and give them the details of Ingram Spark and how they can order it in. 
Um, it, it, I don't think an awful lot of independent authors are having great success that way. But it might be money on the table that you're leaving on the table. It could be 100 or 200 pounds you will make from Ingram Spark a month. Um, it's worth that error to upload all your books onto yep. Ingram. It is worth your time to have your books uh, made into audio books. It's worth your time to get to upload into hardback. Whatever way, whatever format books come in, try and have all of your novels or uh, nonfiction stuff in those formats. That just makes sense, Rob. Yeah, it does. I think um, when we say, you know, as wide as possible, I know we're uh, Amazon exclusive with our eBooks. This isn't about an eBooks uh, conversation. If you want to go wide no. with your eBooks, by all means do. I, I give you massive credit. I wish I could be, but I'm just reliant on that sweet, sweet KDP page read money, baby. Um, but I think <laughs> with what you're saying there, it is making your books as accessible as possible. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't sell tons through Ingram Spark. It's worth mentioning, it's free to upload a book to Ingram Spark, and they got rid of the upload cost. You still need to pay for any revisions that you need to make to the book. Um, and you'd also need, so I think it's like £45, $50 or whatever, every time you make a change. So if you change the, I don't know, you've, a mistake's been found and you need to edit it. So if you join, what is it, we're on Ali, the Alliance of Independent Authors. If you sign up for that, it's like a yearly fee of like £90 or yeah. whatever. You get unlimited revisions because you get a code. And trust me, yeah. I, I, I didn't join Ali until beginning of this year. I reckon I've done about, 40 revisions since then to books yeah. and that's that saved a lot of money a lot of money um i'm not shilling for them i'm just i'm just giving you guys tips the other one you need to remember with ingram is you need your own isbn number so like obviously if you upload to kindle you can get given a, a, a basically your barcode if you're going to ingram spark you need to buy and they usually come in like batches of 10 um so like yeah. uk it's nielsen us is remind me Oh, I can't remember. Nielsen is yeah. anyway who I go through, but you'll yeah. find, you just Google uh, where to get um, ISBNs from. So you'd probably have to spend £100 to get 10 ISBN numbers. But it makes sense yeah. to have it because since I've got all my books up there, I, I, I don't do any marketing. There's no, there's, yeah. a, there's a, not a very good marketing platform with um, Ingram Spark. But yeah, you, know, you said £100, £200 a month maybe just on yeah. bookstores around the world. Yeah, just ordering my books in. The big one I want to mention is audiobooks because that's the one that puts people off the most because it's the biggest long-term investment in your in the author career. Now, now Amazon do and find a way, I believe as well, which is the wide platform. They do schemes where you can sort of. I know Amazon definitely do uh, Audible, where you can do a royalty share with the um, the author, the narrator which means you split the royalties 50-50 and you don't pay an upfront cost. And I think find a way, do one where you can spread the cost over a couple of payments. Mm. I would implore you just buy the rights outright. It's a big fee. Yeah. However, I'll just put into perspective really quickly before we wrap this one off. I reckon I've got book 12 going into production now. I reckon I've probably spent in total, and this is going to make people go, fuck, I can't do that. I've probably spent around... 14 to 15 grand over the last few years getting these books made that's the only money and i've only done this with the money that i generated off audiobooks yeah 
off of my actual books. And then bear in mind, I can only get an audio book done once a book's been finished because my narrator needs Lee, yeah. who's been on the show. And then he takes three months usually to get it back. Right. Yeah. So that's not 15 grand in one hit. That's over years. But take into account now that say this year I've spent say maybe six grand on audiobooks. I've probably made over 20 grand off my audiobooks that I do not market. Yeah. Right. So when I say it's a long term investment, just this year alone, I have, and I, you know, I only needed to sell enough to be able to pay for the next one. This year alone, I've made more than the cost of all of them together. So great. I would say audiobooks is definitely something people should look into because that is a still a platform that is growing rapidly. Well, it's actually the fastest growing mm. um, format uh, books are, are selling at the moment. So yeah, tip number four, it, it sounds obvious, but have your books as available as possible. Mm -hmm. um, what about tip number five, Rob? Tip number five, I'm going to give it uh, one sentence, which is go back and listen to last week's episode. Um, <laughs> so no, tip what number five last is, is last week is is the Amazon um, promotions that oh, you can yes. do. So we went into them in explicit detail last week, the um, Kindle daily, yeah. weekly, monthly deals, the Amazon Prime reading deals how you can nominate them. Yeah. You can go in the back end of KDP and the marketing tab, do all of those. We went into detail in it last week. So if if, if you haven't yeah. listened to that, listen to that. But that is tip number five. Um, I don't want to yeah. just retread old ground and do it again. Yeah. But, you know, we do this yeah, all the we, time, David. We get these deals, we get these things and they help us a lot. They do. What they do is they give you mass exposure on Amazon. Uh -huh. So your book will pop up on people's feed. So, so yeah, have, as Rob said, listen to last week's episode on this and um, fill in these details at the back of your KDP, which will help you nominate your books for these types of deals. And then, and it's free of charge. And then Amazon, hopefully in the future, will email you saying, yeah, you've been, we're going to nominate you for such and such a deal. Do you accept? You click yes. And they are for free spreading your book all over the, the sales pages um, of the biggest um, book selling website that's ever existed. So you want exposure on Amazon and this is a great way to get exposure on Amazon. And it's a very simple way to help you sell more books. Now, I'm supposed to be doing tip number six, but it doesn't feel right for me to be doing this because this is Rob's tip, not just today, but Rob's tip on all 46 episodes that we've done <laughs> so far um, on the two in the orders. And that is very simple. Now, this doesn't cost you a thing. It costs you some time. That doesn't cost you a thing. The best way to sell more books is to, Rob? Write more books. Write more books. So yeah. true. And Rob has been saying this forever. And I am only learning it now because I'm three books deep into a series. And what I said at the top of the show is, oh, I've sold a t um, 1,100 books in the last week. And I'm thinking, oh, I normally sell more than that on a launch, but I haven't spent a penny. Mm -hmm. So it's all profit. And it, because I've just written a new book and without spending money on it, it's making me money. So if you're writing in series, writing your next book is selling you so many books mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's so I always say that it's part of the Netflix generation now. You know, we want content and we want it now. And yeah. I've always made the, the thing as well is if, if 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 you're competing with another author, we I mean we're not competing, let's put that there, man. But if, if a customer has a decision to make, um there's two books there, there's my book and another author's book, right? Um, I'm not competing with that author, but in that reader's mind, maybe they've got enough money to buy one book. So in that yeah. in that reader's mind, this is who do I pick? And if they look at this other author, say author A, and they've got two books, and then they look at me, and I've got twelve books, and they're all highly rated. Which one are they likely to go? Oh, I'm going to get the most for my money here. And that is why writing the book helps sell more books because it shows you're a prolific writer. It shows you've got a following. If you've got, I've got 12 books in a series, would I carry on writing a series if it wasn't doing well, especially to 12 books? All these things subliminally go through people's heads. Like I do, if I pick up a new TV show, I go, oh, cool, there's six seasons of this. Like It must yeah. be good to get to a sixth season. But the other thing to think about, and this is something you'll find out, David, um, when you're doing it with the series, is... If I launch a book, right, and so book 12 went bang, it went to number, it was number one in a category for like a month after selling. My sales yeah. for book one went up because for people who go to that category and they say, oh, what's this book that's number one in the category? You always look at what's number one. Oh, it's book 12 in a series that I've not heard of. Or maybe I've heard of the series, I haven't read it, but look, book 12 is number one. I'm going to go, oh, yeah. the first book's cheaper. Oh, I'm going to go back. And this is, you know, the thought process behind this. Nothing sells your book more than your next book, which is why writing more books will help you sell more books because all these things, like, contribute to a decision a reader will make if they're going to buy your book or not. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can this is from experience over the last seven days, Betsy Blake, which is the first book of my series, that has shot up in sales because uh -huh. of the exposure of book three coming out and people seeing it um, on Amazon. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, we did say at the top of this that uh, some of these tips might be obvious, but they are tips you should be adhering to, all six of them. Paid ads, use your newsletter, use discount sites, make your books available in as, as many formats as possible, consistently nominate your books um, on KDP to get that mass exposure on Amazon, and as Rob says, tip number six, he says this every week, write more books. Mailbag. When your Facebook ad makes you feel sad, it's mailbag. Oh. But my book's not great and I'm in a state, so please reach <laughs> out to two indie authors to the mailbag. <laughs> wow, I joined industry because I'm a big fan of the Bee Gees and Steps. <laughs> See, now and you're getting better. <laughs> and oh, steps. thanks. Um, wow. Yeah, a tragedy, uh, which obviously was my uh, my journey home from uh, Malaga this earlier this week. Ah, but it is time. mailbag intro song. It, nice. Uh, I know. I, I just it's all connected with me, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so we do have a question this week, uh, David, and it comes from Maddie Wade, who posted into our Facebook group. So if you have questions like Maddie, you can throw them into the Facebook group as well, and you, who knows, yeah. it might end up on the show. But her question is: Is hey there? I'm new here, but looking for some help regarding ams ads i've got them serving but the data scrambles my mind i'm not sure how to read it or know if they are effective or not 
any advice. I don't want to throw money away, but I also know that they are needed. Ah, okay. Right. Well, Maddie, it's totally understandable that your head can be scrambled from AMS ads because if you go onto your AMS dashboard, it throws a hell of a lot of data at you and you'd have to be a, a proper nerd like Robert Enright in order to understand it all. But um, I will Thanks. say, no problem, nerd. Um, I will say across the very top of your Amazon or your AMS platform, you have um, uh, four key uh, slots of data. One is your spend, so Amazon will tell you how much they're spending on your ads. Um, next one is your sales, and then is your ACOS, and then it's, and then the fourth one is the amount of impressions that your ad made. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at spend and sales, and ACOS, um, which actually stands for your advertising cost of sales, so it will give you a percentage. So if you've spent um, £100, and your sales are valued at £200, well, then your advertising cost of sale is 50%, yeah. thereabouts. So they're, they're the three that you should really keep an eye on, your spend, your sales, and your ACOS. Uh, underneath that, you have a whole, you've got graphs on, on a whole range of data that would scramble anybody's head, probably will even scramble Rob's. But do keep an eye on those three. I should also say that, if your spend is £100 and your sales are £100 and you're thinking, oh, well, these ads aren't really worth it because they're not making mo- me money, they are. That that would be working as far as I'm concerned, uh, breaking even there because your, your ad uh, being clicked doesn't mean that they're going to buy your book there and then, so they might come back later on, but they're being aware of you and your Amazon ad is obviously being is is giving you exposure on amazon so bear with it and uh find out what works uh what does work and what doesn't work for you in terms of amazon ads you, you can add to that rob can you can probably explain better than my waffling there no i think you know you, you called me a nerd um but you're <laughs> right there, there are there's some key things to look at there i'm not going to go into the minutiae of the detail like you know um bids and and um keywords and all that like those are probably yeah, your main so ads and stuff but i mean i've even recently said i've i've just joined up with an agency that specializes in amazon ads because they, right. they take so much work and they take a lot of finesse and a lot of expertise Stuff that I don't, you know, we don't have. We're, we're very open on this. Dave and I would both love our Amazon ads to do better. Um, one thing I would point yeah. out is one another stat to look at is look how many clicks and how many sales your each one's working at. Because if you're getting loads yeah. of clicks but little sales, it means your cover. Because an Amazon ad is usually just your cover, you know, just the thumbnail of your cover. It means people are being drawn into your book but then it's not converting. So again, look at your sales page. Is your blurb okay? Is your title okay? Do you have good A plus content? Could you be trying to generate more reviews or ratings for your book? Would you could use the newsletters and stuff like that? You know, all of this comes together. But I would always double check that. If you've got a lot of clicks, but not a lot of conversions, then there's something blocking people from from saying, yes, I want this book. Because they did click to say, I'm interested in this book. So always check on that. The other thing I just want people to be aware of is um, at the top where it says you've spent this much, you've made this much, you haven't made that much, just to make it clear. So um, that is the cost of sale. 
that is the price your book was sold at is totaled up there. So that's not your royalty. So just to be aware, like if you sell a five pound book, you don't make five pounds, but it will show mm-hmm. on Amazon that you've made five pounds. So bear in mind, if you've spent five pounds and sold two books, so you haven't made a hundred percent return on your investment there, you've probably made about a 60, 70% return because you wouldn't, you've probably would have made just under eight pounds. So again, really tricky. Amazon ads, they're worth your time and they're worth your effort. Okay, Rob, that brings us to the seven questions. Now, take a listen to this, right? Um, Book blurb, right? What if your life was suddenly over and it wasn't meant to happen? From the moment Benjamin May is hit by a school bus that appears from nowhere, he senses something is amiss. When the same bus turns out to be driven by a reaper who resembles the front of a heavy metal album, things get considerably stranger. Now, that's a good hook into a book, huh? That is a hook. That's a hook into a book. And that is the hook of Reap, Sleep, Rock, Repeat, written by our guest today, Mike Norris. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. It's really, really great to be, it's great to be here. Oh, uh, no, it's it's our pleasure. Um, yeah, great hook. This is your only book that you have out at the moment, Mike. That right? This is my first one. I'm, I'm on writing the follow up as we speak, actually. Um, but yeah, this is my my first my first book. A bit overwhelmed with how it's doing. Really proud of it, to be honest. Um, so yeah. I mean, your words are obviously really kind um, in terms of your your thoughts on the blurb. But I think people, uh, I think people just seem really intrigued and interested by the by the plot and the concept really yeah it's a great concept it really is yeah. and you're a big music man anyway aren't you you were talking to us just before we we pressed the record button yeah i mean obviously music that's a huge theme throughout the book but i also i present a podcast called my classic album where i interview musicians about their all-time favorite albums so it just made sense that when i was writing a book even though it's kind of like a, a supernatural fantasy i guess Things right. like heavy, heavy metal and rock would play quite important roles in it, really. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make this the eight questions this week instead of the seven Ooh. questions. I'm going to hold your own gun to your own head. I'm not going <laughs> to, you're not going to give me three answers or two answers, one right. answer. What is, your, what is your favorite album of all time? So, my classic album, Mine is Battle of Hell by Me Love. Ah, That's good show. Good it's, show. It's, it's a sentimental pick because um, it's from childhood and stuff. Um, I was looking to say me love a few times. Um, weirdly, I don't know, I guess. There's the book, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's inspired by me love and Jim Fine, but it's got that same kind of crazy tone to it, I guess. And there's a couple yeah. of me love references dropped in the book too. So It does, it does. Rob, is, Rob, you want me to ask you that question as well, right? Go on, what's your favourite album of all time? My favourite album is My Own Medley of Mailbag Songs. <laughs> no, um, it's not. My my favourite album, although I, I don't listen to to the artist that much anymore. Well, I still listen to him a lot, but not as much as I used to. All the same genre of music. My favourite album, I probably would still say, is the Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. His oh, second album. Yeah. Yeah, Very old. A... 20 years old now. Over 20 years old now. But that, that album... I actually think it's probably flawless in regards okay. to the songs that are on it. So that would be my favourite album of all time, but great... I very much listen to like a lot of heavier music now, but um, usually I just pick songs from artists. That album I will listen through the whole way. 
Yeah, I've listened to that um, thousands of times myself. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy about it. Um, I think I might go Arctic Monkeys for me. Whatever people say I am, that's where I'm not. I just love the drums on it. It's incredible. Anyway, that we'll do that when we're guests on Mike's uh, show. We'll discuss that <laughs> yes. in more detail. We're here now for the seven <laughs> questions. Uh, are you ready, Mike? Ready to go. Brilliant, cool. Well, I will start with question number one. Um, are you a full-time author? I'm not. So, as I said, this is my first time, uh, my first novel um, on writing the second. My day job, I work in mental health. So, I work for the NHS for a oh. therapy service. Oh, again, again uh, mental health is another thing that really goes through the book. There's a lot about kind of death anxiety and anxiety in general. Uh, so, again, something that's very important to me. So, obviously, like my Monday to Friday, um, supporting people with their mental health um, and then when the kids are in bed or over the weekends that's when I kind of dive into the afterlife and, and write these stories Love it thank you amazing. so much for your work man that's great work Yeah amazing always oh, got so much time and respect for anyone who works in the uh, NHS especially because of the uh, unbelievably shit time they've had <laughs> over the last few years so um, more power to you um, yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to question two um, question two is with your with your first book, um, but the incredible hook. Um, did you decide to release the ebook wide, or did you go exclusive with Amazon's uh, KDP? So I chose to go to go exclusive with Amazon, and I think a lot of that mm-hmm. you'll probably find a lot of my answers. I think it's just to do with what I what I do for a living, the things in the book, a lot of it ties into my own mental health and my own relationship with my like imposter syndrome and all this kind of stuff. Yes. I, I wrote the book and I thought to myself, well, I've written a book. That's that's great. That's what I wanted to do. Because, I mean, how many people can say they've done that? Yeah. So much imposter syndrome given into my editor, thinking that she would tell me that absolute crap, all of this stuff. So I thought to myself, well, if I put it on Amazon, I'll just say how it goes. And in my mind, I thought it would just sink without a trace. Um, unbelievably happy that it hasn't done that. Um, so that's, <laughs> something, that's something that I might think differently about for follow-up books that, you know, that I might think about going another maybe make it wider. I think I was just very much testing the water. And I think a lot of my thing was that I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it properly. I'm going to give it the concerted effort. I'm going to have the cover how I want it. I'm going to have it edited. Um, but then that little voice in my head was saying, Oh, well, you know, maybe just put it on Amazon and see how it does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes we could be our own our own worst critic, can't we? And I think that was an example of that. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes for the, for the next one and, and the other ideas that I've got bubbling around up there. Well, interestingly, if I, you say you will see, I think we're, we're, sort of, we're sort of already seeing, a, a, check this out, Rob, 82% five-star reviews. Mike's oh, book has wow. on Amazon. That's pretty impressive. Fantastic. So well done. So anytime that thank imposter you. is sitting on your shoulder, Ra, or <laughs> Mike, and, and weighing you down, um, take a read of those five-star reviews, my friend, yeah. um, and continued yeah. success uh, with, with, with the Books. Do you have a title of the next one? Would we be getting an exclusive if we got the title off you? Um, I think people who are on, on my Facebook group know, but other than that, um, so it is a direct sequel, um, and it's called Replete, Rock, Repeat, Turn the Dust. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Good branding as well. like that. I like that. <laughs> um, okay, we'll, we'll move on to question three then. So uh, can you name the one service you use as an independent author that you cannot do without now? I think, and it's interesting because I think it's changed between writing book one and book two. So again, from the very start of this, I used uh, Wattpad 
to write the first one. And I think those, the early chapters, like I did have them published for people and there was a little bit of kind of like sort of positive feedback and this, that, and the other. And then when I got more serious about it, I thought, right, no, I'm taking it off. So I took it off and I finished writing it kind of by other things. What I tend to use now, which I find not just in terms of formatting it, but in terms of just helping me with word count and structure and everything. I, I love to use the, uh, the, the Readsy I've got on their website. I think it's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic because obviously I can go in there, I can move things around if I need to. Obviously, it's really good in terms of helping me format as well um, and easy for me to kind of import it in the documents. So if I want to send it to my editor or, you know, if I want, yeah. um, you know, I've got a few beta readers who are kind of following the story along with me you know um as, as i'm writing so it's really it's a really good way to share it but at the same time um, the only downside to that is whenever me and my family so we've got a caravan over in crestwell which is about an hour away from me in the family okay. right and i always say right we're going to go up there and i'm going to do loads of writing this week i'm really excited but what i also forget is to get on read the obviously i'm going to need that connection <laughs> <laughs> I get to the caravan and there isn't one or it's really poor so then I never get as much done as I want to do so I do sometimes switch over and I'll use Google Docs or something like that but I think I find really just in, I just find the interface of it really really helps me um, I like to know I guess it's the OCD and me likes to have my chapters at certain not like exact lengths but kind of like a rough length than thinking yeah. about the, of the story and how far in and, and stuff and, and I just feel it really helps with all of that so that tends to be what I like to use nice fantastic I think that's really good answer yeah it's a really good answer because um, obviously we've all this is 46 7th question so far we do, we do get a lot of people who just, who bring up Scrivener um, and there's another one I can't remember its name now it's got a weirder name mm. Okay, so it forgets it's mine now. But this is another. Right. This is another writing tool that yeah. is out there. Piece of software that is out there for people to use. So I think this is why we do these questions because we find these things out and we hear these things. I I, I, I didn't know about that. So yeah, that's yeah, a, that's great. A great answer. Um, we'll go on to question four, and this is always probably the most popular answer uh, question we have because everyone wants to know what everyone's doing, and that is how do you market your books. <laughs> So this is this is something that I'm still trying to kind of get to people because again, even with having the podcast and all that kind of stuff, I was just having a conversation with someone about this before. I'm rubbish at selling myself, and that's probably that imposter syndrome creeping in. Yeah, terrible, terrible at it. And when I did, I mean, I had a book launch when it came out, and that was really successful, and it went really well, and there was a bit of promotion on local radio. Um, and like I say, while the book's doing well, I think it did sort of, uh, you know, as, as we will naturally, sales dwindle a little bit. I think what I'm what I'm starting to do from from next month, and there'll be a pattern at least once or or twice a month for the rest of the year. And I think it's because of the genre of the book and everything. I'm going to be attending kind of comic cons and conventions and selling my book there. Oh, nice, great, nice. So, so obviously, I, I live in County Durham. There's Durham Comic Con on the, the 10th of September. I'm going to sell my books there. There's uh, a couple of Newcastle towards the back end of the year as well. So, I think because to be fair, like, like I'm quite a geeky guy. Like, <laughs> it's a fantasy book. You know, I'm, I get geeky over rock and metal. I love professional yeah. wrestling comic-cons like that's my audience do you know yeah, what I mean? it, it fits in there doesn't it yeah 
absolutely. And I, I don't think I'm going to be able to see them. I might, have to, I might have to show you before we hang up the phone. Like, I've got, like, so Tom, who's on the front, he's the main reaper character in the book, and he's on the front cover of the book. I've actually I bought a skeleton online. He's dressed up in a head T-shirt and Hawaiian shorts. So he comes with me to, to all the events. Oh, nice. great. And then people <laughs> have their photos taken with him and all this kind of stuff. So, like, it's I think it's more than just, like, me being there and being like, you want to buy my book? I think it's, yeah. it's trying to make it... I think you said about kind of sort of like 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 a brand kind of thing with the yeah. title, and I think it is kind of that like when I go to them, I've got like shirts with skulls on, and I that's not what I wear on my daily life, but you know it, it fits when I'm when I'm there. So people will have the picture taken with Tom, they'll have a bit of a chat. I've even got so for example with the books, obviously I would sign up for anyone who wanted it, but I've also got like a little ink stamp. Um, the reapers in the book are. Um, they're all kind of governed by a society known as the Council of Reapers. So you can get like an ink stamp in your book that says approved by the Council of Reapers. So just oh, all, cool. of that, all of this kind of stuff, just to make it feel a bit more like, I don't know, that, like I just like the idea that the, the geeky stuff really appeals to me. Like if it would appeal to me, I feel like I, I want to do that for people who enjoy the book. So. Yeah, really immersing yourself in that genre. Yeah. Exactly, and, and, and I just say par- part of your brand. Yeah, it re- really fits. That yeah, that that makes so much sense. Um, that you're going that route. Uh, so, question five, Mike, is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? So, I, I've kind of two answers popped into my head, but really, I feel like that the, the one, and I think the way it's sum it up is, and this this can sound daft, I wish that I'd known that I could write a book because I would have done it a long time ago. Right. And I think, so, I mean, I, I allude there to being a big wrestling fan. I don't know how many of you, the people listening or a few guys have watched like WWE or anything like yes. that. But, but Mick Foley, obviously, legendary wrestler, Hall of Famer, wrote his memoirs, but also wrote two, in my opinion, fantastic novels. Like, Oh, I didn't, didn't know that. And and I met him in 2013. He was doing some kind of engagement. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone's bringing their wrestling figures and DVDs to sign. And I bring a copy of his novel. And I think he was really taken aback. And he was like, oh, thank you. And we thought that that and the other. Bear in mind that 10 years ago. And I said to him, I'd love to write a book someday. And he was like, well, just do it. He was like, just write a book. And, ah. and at the time, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it took years of battling that that voice going like you can't write a book and all this kind of yeah. like I've had this idea briefly from repeat probably longer than when I'd met Nick Foley do you know what I mean like the idea's been there for a long time but it was right. that confidence of getting it down on paper and first it's you first it's me bum going oh this is really good and like are you going to say that you're me bum and then it's like a friend saying actually no this is really good but you can say that you're my friend and it's not until like say reviews are coming in or you've got someone like mm-hmm. like the, the editor i use is a lady called natalie gray who was fantastic and you know to get that back from her she said to me you're not here for me for two weeks while i edit the book unless there's a problem and then i got an email and thought oh here we go like that she was like <laughs> i'm just i'm just trying to tell you i love you both i absolutely love it so I, there's, there's a point as you said you that voice in my head's only one voice and like, I've got all these other voices around telling me that they enjoy the book and there's a point where you, you've got to listen to that. So if there's something I wish I'd known earlier, it's that yeah, I had this book yeah. in me so I could have had it out sooner. And I've got no regrets on that because I love how it's come out. But, you know, it's it's just, it's a lovely thing to know that it's something that exists and I can hold it in my hand. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, sir. That is a brilliant answer. Yeah. Especially, I had that as well. I, I Every now and then I do it to myself. I'm like, God, imagine you did this 10 years ago. Where would you be now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then 
I think I always say on the show as well as well, you, you kind of, everyone has to go through their journey because then when they get to the point that That's they true. can consider success, they know all the steps they took to get there so they can always yeah. retrace if they need to. Also, I think I read one of Mick Foley's books. Was it, it was Have a Nice Day, I think it was called. <laughs> Yeah, so that was his autobiography. Um, so we, I think he did yeah. four novels. Um, ah, but he, he, but I didn't know he wrote novels. But he wrote two novels. So one's called Tegan Brown, so that's the one that I got on the sign. Um, and another one called Scooter. Um, okay. I'd, I'd recommend both. The, you know, if, you, if you're a fan of his, if, if anyone's read his like, biographies, or even just, I don't know, just know of him, and his quirky sense of humour, it really shines yeah. through in the books. So it's, uh, I'd definitely it's, recommend it. His autobiography was fascinating because he's a madman. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we, 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 I, could, I could talk to you about Mick Foley and probably wrestling all day. Um, oh, yeah. But we're going to, we'll move on to question number six, um, <laughs> which is what's the biggest frustration uh, for you as an indie author? I think this goes back to question one. Now, this is like, I love my job, don't get me wrong. Hugely rewarding. Love every minute of it. Yeah. However, I wish there was more time in the day for me to to, to write what I want. Because I find, as you can imagine, it's a, a physically, emotionally draining job working with people who are really struggling it with their mental must health. Be. Yeah. And sometimes I get home, like, I'll find this, oh, well, I'll do this, and then I'll get home, and then I'll write. And the ideas are all there. Like, it's not writer's block, but it's just energy. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to sit at the computer tonight and type, but my brain won't screw it out tonight do you know what I mean and like my wife's fantastic but you know sometimes I'll be sitting in bed till one in the morning just having away or something like that but it's having it's, it's it's the time and the energy to do it I think what I've got good at so obviously we're talking about the podcast I'm on a bit of a break in the podcast at the moment I'd underestimate how well the book would do to be honest I think that was part of it yeah. but also because I, with, with the podcast that was always very hard on myself like there has to be an episode every day I mean, you guys all know there has to be an episode every two weeks it's got to be to this quality it's da 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 I'll burn myself out whereas with the book with the certainly with this follow up I'm being a lot more patient with myself and say if I can't write tonight that's fine I can yeah. write tomorrow night I can write next week but it doesn't stop that frustration of like because I'm uh. so excited to be able to read it I'll, it's almost like an addiction. Like when I first had that copy of that book in my hand, and that was the ultimate goal. Anything yeah. else is bonus. Now I want book two in my hand. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, yeah. So that's what it is. It's just it's having the time and the the energy to to do yeah. it. Yeah, you're doing incredible, Mike. You really are. Um, with, with that full time job and and getting uh, such a great book out there. Have you an expectation of when book two will be out? I'm hoping it'll be sort of early next year. So I'm about three quarters of the way through kind of like the first draft, but I'm the type of person that's constantly tweaking and editing as I go along. So yeah. I'll probably do like another full edit and then that's probably when I'll get my editor involved to kind of help me. Great. Cool, cool. I, I look forward to seeing um, um, what, what you do with that book. And then is it going to be a, a big series overall? Oh, you haven't thought that far? So this is the thing you say. So... Originally, Reeves Slate Rock Repeat was just going to be a one-off and it was going to end very differently. And I was getting to the end and I felt myself getting really sad. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I wanted to get to, like, I was like, I want to stay in this. And I have got other stories in that world that don't necessarily relate to these characters. But like, I was thinking, like, I, I, I want to continue this story. And it was my wife that was like, well, it's your book. Why don't, why don't you do that? So then I kind of cooked up this ended to kind of and I was worried I didn't want it to feel like I was just stretching it out but the vibe I've got from people is that that's not the case um, yeah. but then I said again I'm starting to get that feeling again of like I could end it but 
it's no more story to tell. So I'll, when I get there, I'll see. But there'll certainly yeah. be more stories in that universe, whether it's fantastic, whether it's a third route sleep or repeat, I don't know. But there'll be there'll certainly be more stories. Nice. Sounds good. Sounds good. And we love um, planning ahead on this show. Um, so, Mikey, you've made it all the way. This is question seven then. And you've given us some great um, advice and I list with some great advice and some tips. But um, if you had one piece of advice to offer to them, what would that be from your experiences so far? That just might not surprise people with what I've said is to do it. Like, like if there's any kind of doubt in your mind, like, like you, there was such good advice about not listening to that imposter syndrome, not listening to that voice that's telling you it's no good. Like, I read something where someone had said, like, an awful first draft is still better than a blank page. And, like, that really hit home with me that, like, someone could read something and be like, yeah, Mike, you might not write that yet. But then at least I've started, you know what I mean? And, and, an awful first draft is the start of every one of my novels. <laughs> yeah, get it wrong as quickly as possible. Yes, Rod yeah. says that often. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I, I think for me, it's like I've gone back to the Nick Foley thing. Like if I'd sat down in 2013 and written this, like the book would be published a long time, and I would have got the positive energy and everything that I've got from it since. So for me, it's if you're listening. To, I'm actually at all of you that listen are writing it. A lot of people I imagine are probably sitting on the fence and thinking, "Well, I'd love to write that book, or I'd love to send it to an editor, or I've got this manuscript and I don't know what to do with it." My advice: do it because that feeling, regardless of how many it sells, regardless of what reviews you get, that feeling of having a copy of it in your hand, like that's indescribable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the giddiest day as an author, I think Rob will probably agree, is when that brown box arrives at the door uh, from the the delivery man, and your, your paperbacks are inside. You open yeah. it up. I think I've got a few videos actually on my social media of me singing songs when I'm opening the box because I get so excited. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I agree. I agree with you. That 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 feeling of achievement of getting the first draft done, regardless of the quality of it, going through however long the story is and getting it down, it's it is kind of indescribable. It's it's so unique to you know to to each individual person because again he doesn't know what you've had to do or what time you've had to sacrifice what research you've had to do to do all that just to get to that point so i fully agree an excellent piece of advice to round up our seven questions and um i will say uh, mike before you go i do think you need to have a uh, eat sleep rock repeat t-shirt yes available for people to buy at your Comic Con stand, because yes. I think if you get That's that looking like a really cool font or whatever, I think that would that would sell quite well. For yeah, your brand, it's a win. <laughs> Rob only wants fifteen percent. That's all he charges when he comes That's up with ideas. <laughs> He's no, a fair he's man. Like... He's a fair man. That's why I'm in business with with the two in the audience. He gets fifteen percent of this as well. Um, <laughs> Mike Norris, uh, reap, sleep, rock, repeat. You are an absolute superstar for joining us this evening. Thanks very much for giving us your time. No worries. Absolutely love being here. So thank you very much for for inviting me. Two in the A huge thank you to Mike Norris for joining us on the seven questions there, David. And again, I'm going to just press the repeat button of another brilliant chat with another brilliant author, right? 
yeah, just sharing so many many tips and 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 really opening up about their journey. We we really appreciate it from um, all authors, whether they're just starting out their career with with their debut novel or whether they're fifty books deep. Um, we we really appreciate appreciate you giving up your time to pass on your experience mm. um, to our listeners who are just like you uh, anywhere along that spectrum of um, getting their indie author career uh, set up so that that's episode 46 rob <laughs> we've been doing it a long time now we have we're getting old uh, we're getting on and you call me you call it took you 40 46 episodes to to call me a nerd and mean it well only <laughs> a, 46 episodes to call you a nerd on mic, off mic, I call you that all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You do, but yeah, um, another another episode done, David. I'm looking forward to some of the ones we've got planned around our year um, anniversary, which anniversary. sounds quite sweet. Yeah. Um, but it before does. I speak to you next week, what have you got planned for the next seven days? Well, I'm hoping it's a lot more straightforward than the last mm. seven days. Um, I'm six chapters in. If if I'm 10 chapters into my novel when I'm speaking to you next Thursday, Rob, I'll be a happy man. I, that, that, that's the end goal. I do have that important meeting in London coming up in mid-September. So I'm preparing for that with a potential producer of uh, my Alex Ferguson screenplay. So, um, yeah, there are two creative projects, the writing my next novella and writing the screenplay. So that's me in my happy place for the next next seven weeks. Plus Lola's back in school, so I'll, I'll have yeah. the house to myself. Um, what about you? What's what's happening over the next week? Well, I'll, I'll be back to normal now. Um, so <laughs> hopefully from like next Monday, I'm just going to get my head down, get a bang out a load of this Jack Townsend book because I got my third round of edit back. So like I'm I'm doing it in batches to my editor Emma, and right, I think Emma, her, yeah. her response to this one was you know, first the first round of um, edits I got was you need to tighten this up you need to change this character this doesn't work second round of edits was you need to just keep an eye on like um, police processes around things and then also her brilliant advice of your characters shouldn't know what you know so you need to expand the investigation of this this round of edits i got the email back which just said you've nailed this yes i'm I'm in a good place to to crack on and do it and i think yeah i'm past the halfway point of the book now so i think i'm really gonna get my head down over the next seven days and i'm gonna try and get because i do write small chapters i'm gonna try and get eight to ten of them done by the time i next speak to you and then i'll be up and around the 60k mark and heading towards the end so yeah let's have a awesome. really productive week david um i will probably let's speak to you at some point during it to our listeners thank yeah. you for listening in this week and for all the weeks that you've listened um david and i are blown away by the um response to this podcast and please make sure to join our facebook community uh where you can interact with all of our other listeners and also with david and myself so david have a lovely week you too, my friends. Thanks for listening too.